Welcome to another episode of the Self-Doubt Solution, the show that helps entrepreneurs overcome the self-doubt that holds them back from achieving the next level of success, income, and personal freedom. The Self-Doubt Solution is hosted by the freedom architect, Mario Lanzarotti. Listen as Mario and his inspiring guests share practical insights and tools that help you find the shortcuts for exponential growth and success in all areas of your life. Learn how to build the mindset you need to create a life of true abundance, freedom, and fulfillment. And now, here is your host, Mario Lanzarotti. Welcome, my friends. This is your host, Mario Lanzarotti, the Freedom Architect on the Self-Doubt Solution. And today, I have the pleasure and honor of welcoming my friend and business coach, Mitch Russo. He is a very unique character who has a truly, truly inspiring story that went from running a very successful school rock band that paid him in the 1970s uh, over $500 per night, which is quite a lot of money today. In today's world, there were probably a million dollars <laughs> with the inflation <laughs> going. And right. he, what most people don't know about him, he had a history with drugs that almost brought him to the brink of death. And through rehab work, through connection with, with spirituality and, and mentors and guidance, after 18 months, he found his way back. And then Mitch dove into the world of launching his first software company in his garage in the classical way, and he sold it for eight figures. And after that, he went on to co-found a very well-known company, which we're going to get in a little bit later, with Tony Robbins and Chet Holmes. Mitch is not just ending here, but he's also an author. One of the books that I'm holding in my hand, Power Tribes, mm -hmm. And more books that he launched, one of his newest books is called Coach Elevation, which is a blueprint for helping clients find their true purpose and connect that to their mission, which, of course, accelerates the progress in both their business and personal life. But with that, without further ado, Mitch, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mario. It's a delight to work with you and see you again. Uh, always think about our times together and the great fun we had and and it's just so inspiring to see what you've what you've done since our coaching ended. And look at the amazing acceleration that you've had. I'm thrilled with it. Thank, thank you. Thank you. And I really took that on. And, you know, as you know, both of us, action is really the cure for so many of the problems that we face in the business world. And Mitch, before we dive into the conversation, just for our listeners to sort of frame you where they can listen in from, how do you help someone who's listening to the show today? Uh, well, of course, it depends on who they are and what they do. Um, one of my specialties is working with coaches. Mm. Uh, and you mentioned my new book called Coach Elevation. Uh, Coach Elevation is a book about, as you said, finding your true purpose. So I give that book away to coaches for free. Uh, and I also offer a very powerful uh, session management and enhancement system. It's a software platform called Clientfolio. And the thing I love about Clientfolio is that it's never done. Every month we add new features, we enhance it, we make it more powerful, we, we add um, uh, new subscribers every month as well. And it's starting to become something of very, very significant value to many people in the coaching space. And I love doing that. And then, of course, I still build certification programs. I'm building two of them right now. 
And um, I also, as you know, coach entrepreneurs on really accelerating to the next level in a rapid fashion. Yeah, yeah. And I can attest to that. Uh, so that's why we're here today. And Mitch, you know, working a little backwards from the recent book that you've just launched, Coaching Elevation, you went through a lot in your life. What would you say was the pivoting point in your life that made you say there's more to life? Well, I, I may have told this story before. I just don't remember. Um, so when we were kids, uh, my sister and I, she's two years younger than me. Uh, my mom called us into the kitchen and uh, she sat us down at the kitchen table and she uh, opened a book that she was reading, a book written by Carl Jung, uh, J-U-N-G. And Carl Jung, um, as you know, is one of the fathers of, of modern psychiatry. And what she read from that book to my sister and I had an impact that lasted all of our lives. And she basically read the equivalent of one sentence. And I'll paraphrase what she said was that we are not bodies. We are beings having an experience with a body. Mm. And, and then my sister, who was 12 at the time, looked up and said, mommy, what does that mean? And, and my mother then said, it means, sweetheart, that you've lived before and you'll live again beyond this body. And my 12-year-old sister started to cry and says, I don't want to leave this body. I like this body. <laughs> <clears throat> and I'm sitting there a little bit dumbfounded, kind of silent. But what was interesting to me was that in some weird way, it rang true and familiar. Uh, at 14 years old. I mean, I was more, more involved, you know, more interested in, you know, flipping baseball cards or riding my bike around the neighborhood. And yet for some reason that really kind of resonated. And I don't know why, but I, I sort of put it to the side and it was um, uh, some years later, not too many, but a few years later that I got involved, as you mentioned in hard narcotics and started mainlining heroin in high school. And um uh, not necessarily the most uh, healthiest thing to do for a young man. It ended up uh, causing me later problems in life uh, health-wise, gave me hepatitis C, basically, uh, which oh. is now cured. I've been cured of that since the, um, you know, since 2012 or so with the uh, advent of small molecule drugs related to figuring that out and getting it done. But more importantly, what, it, what emerged for me was that even drug addiction is a spiritual path. Mm. And the reason I say that is because people who use drugs are trying to somehow suppress the pain in their lives. And I know that's kind of obvious, but more importantly, it's a way of seeking the truth. And so through my drug addiction and through my recovery, uh, which took a solid 18 months to do, I was told that when I graduated this recovery program, I needed three things to be successful. And those three things were a job, a girlfriend, and a place to live. If I had those three things, then I would be considered a successful sober person. Mm. So Mario, I got those three things and I was miserable. And that's when I had that moment in time when I said, is this it? Is that all there is? Is this what everybody gets so excited about life? Because truthfully, 
I think it's more fun to do drugs than this. So <laughs> here I am now. It's a hot August day in New York City. There's, back then, the subways were not air conditioned. Uh, you were lucky if the fans worked. Um, and it was a packed subway uh, going home. It was five o'clock. I was just getting off work. Uh, my job was to pick uh, sweaters at a sweater factory and box them up. So that was exhilarating spiritual work, as you know. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, I sat down on the on the train seat and um, uh, I, I, you know, this question is running through my mind and I felt something under my butt and I reached underneath and it was a crumpled piece of paper. So I opened up this crumpled piece of paper and it said, uh, would you like to learn how to use your mind to control your life? Uh, come tomorrow night for a free two hour uh, uh, presentation. And I said, geez, this is interesting. Uh, sure, I'll do that. And so mm -hmm. next night after work, instead of getting on the subway, I walked the four or five blocks to where this place was. And I sat in on this meeting and there was this man talking about the fact that we are much more than our physical bodies, that in fact, our mind is the gateway to all of life. Mm -hmm. And that if we use these interesting techniques, we can access uh, a much broader range of 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 living than we can without it. And so uh, I sat there practically with my mouth open the entire time going, uh, wow, I mean, this is exactly what I was looking for, uh, but it was very expensive. Uh, and if I were to sign up, I would have to show up for Saturday and Sunday, two weekends in a row to take this class. It was $200, Mario. That was my entire life savings at the time. Wow. So I emptied my bank account. There was no doubt about it. And I attended these sessions and that became, that was at the time it was called Silva mind control. It's now ah, called the yes, Silva method. Yes. Yes. And um, uh, so the bottom line is that I learned the Silva mind control and I didn't, you know, you know how a lot of people sort of question things and it's good to question things. I, I think, you know, honestly, I, think most things are not really what they are at face value. It's worth questioning things, but I didn't question this at all. I just basically sat there and absorbed it and did whatever they told me to do. So if they told me to go home, find a sick person and use my, the silver mind control method to heal them, that's exactly what I did. And so I went through this process of learning how to utilize my mind at a much higher level on a higher plane and what they were teaching me to do was what well, they didn't call it this, but it was basically meditation. Mm. And, uh, and that became the foundation of my spiritual practice for most of my growing up years. And uh, later I added to that in a very major way. Uh, but truthfully for me, uh, it's really how my life started. And I realized that if I could visualize my success in advance, that I can allow my success to show up. And I could certainly work hard and I can, like you said at the beginning of the show, it's taking action that causes results. But by taking action with the right mindset, with the right power, if you will, the right energy, yeah. that's what really changes everything. Yeah, yeah. So many amazing things that I want to unpack here. And, you know, I, it's interesting because I really resonate with your story. I had a very similar kind of story when I was pretty much at rock bottom, I found online in, at, in, uh, on YouTube, and I was in Germany at the time, Tony Robbins and Les Brown. And right. 
that was so unheard of in a different way for what I have ever been in touch with in my entire life. It was radical. And yet, just like you, there was a voice inside of me that says, that said, keep listening. Because my, my little analytical mindset, oh, this is bullshit. This is just some American telemarketers, uh, you know, wanting to scam you. <laughs> and then there was a stronger voice that says, keep listening. And just yeah. like you, I started applying these things. And all of a sudden, it was like I could breathe. It's like, wow, right. wow. And, and so you were talking about, you know, you brought in spirituality, you brought in meditation, and you were also speaking about the truth. And I'm curious, how do you define the truth for yourself? Well, there's a general definition of the truth. The truth is that which never changes. That mm. is the general definition of the truth. So what that means is that if you think about, and, and you don't have children yet, I don't believe. No. Um, so when you do, you will understand what it means to love unconditionally. Now you may think you love unconditionally now, like, like you do actually love your, your parents unconditionally. That is the truth. Mm. And like, if you thought about like for me and my daughter, um, my daughter is, uh, you know, she's an incredible human being, but if she picked up a, a machine gun and mowed down 50 people in the street, I would, I would be terrified of her and I would certainly hate what she did. But it wouldn't stop me from loving her right. because love is not conditional. The truth is not conditional. Does this make sense? Do you get what I'm it saying? It does. It does very much. And I agree. And... Okay. The other thing that I learned later in life by studying the Kabbalah, mm -hmm. and I mentioned this earlier, is that nothing really is as it appears to be. So in Kabbalah, and I don't know if you know much about what Kabbalah is, it's Jewish mysticism, mm -hmm. as it's been labeled. Um, the Kabbalists study the Torah, which is the Jewish Bible, um, in a non-obvious way. They don't take it literally. I mean, in, in when I went to synagogue, my rabbi would take the, the Torah literally. So he talked about the Red Sea being parted by Moses. That's a literal story that, and he, that to him, that was true. But to Kabbalists, that is symbolic. Mm. And when I learned this early in life, it made me, it inserted a layer of presence between me and reality. So if I find myself uh, uh, interested or, or, or fascinated by something, um, I always ask myself, what could this be? And I've taught my daughter the same thing. I said, never take anything at face value. Always check and see. And it, it might be completely true and completely uh, realistic at face value, but check. Mm. There's no harm in checking. And to me, that became sort of a, one of the rules of life, which is never take anything at face value. So when you look at the current political situation you're in, when you look at our governments, when you look at all of the social stuff going on, just apply a simple rule. Is this truly what it appears to be? Could there be another meaning to it? Could there be a purpose to it that I don't understand? And then from there, if you sit with that long enough and you do a little bit of research, the truth does reveal itself. Mm. Mm. And if you go back to what I said earlier, the truth is that which never changes, then everything falls into place. Right. Doesn't that then also mean that 
you know, because what this brings up for me is sort of the the illusion of the world, right? And how some people say that the entire reality that we're experiencing is simply a projection of consciousness. Like it's right. like we are like the people say the matrix is a documentary, right? And you know how we are actually our brains are just plugged into consciousness and they're just projecting this. And so with that with that principle that you just mentioned for me, what comes up is then that nothing that we experience with our eyes, with our, with our senses is actually ultimately true. The only thing that is true is what we refer to as God, source, spirit, right? We have so many different names, but it, it is this, this, this field of consciousness that is ever present, that will never go away, that where, where there was no beginning and no end. And, and there's people that argue with that, but how do you look at that? Well, um, so let's just talk about the basics of what you just said. <clears throat> what is human perception? Human perception to most people is the five senses. Right. So let's examine what eyes, nose, ears, and uh, skin really are. They're sensors. Mm -hmm. And what those sensors do is translate in a particular band of frequencies input to electrical signals that are then perceived by the brain and interpreted to be sight, sound, taste, smell, touch, right? Well, what happens if we bypass the sensors and go directly to the perception engine inside the human brain? Mm. Would we know the difference? And so the real question here is that if you put on VR headsets and you put on VR gloves and you, and you put on you know um, headphones, stereo headphones, uh, and you got immersed into a, an environment, a virtual environment, do you think you would be able, I mean, nowadays the technology is very crude compared mm. to the technology of, of the future. I mean, but it's pretty clear, it's pretty easy to see how one can get completely taken by that. In fact, there have people who died um, in, in virtual environments because of what was presented to them. Maybe they were old and had bad hearts or something. And the shock and fear that those virtual environments created killed them, literally, <clears throat> literally killed them. So realistically, how could you not question reality the way it is? It can't be completely trusted, if you will. And of course, perception can be molded and changed <clears throat> by what we call social media. Hmm. So I realize this probably isn't the discussion you planned on having. This is great. I'm it, loving this. If you ask the questions, I'm going to answer them based on what I believe to be true. Yeah. So. I, I trust my eyes, ears, nose, nose, I trust my five senses, but I know there's more. Mm. I look for the additional input that does not come from the physical world. And I find it very easily. I, I find it every time I'm in session with a client, every time that I am connecting with another human being, I myself, my physical self is not really there. Mm. And I think it's important to understand that there's a far greater a body of wisdom and intelligence that we all have access to and that I try to tap into on a regular basis because it's so easy. Uh, I just simply get out of the way and allow it to flow. Mm. That's, that's such a crucial point that you make. And I think now you're sort of distilling a very lofty spiritual principle that is sometimes difficult to grasp and you make it practical. Because now you're bringing it into the decision-making process, in your case, of an entrepreneur, in my case as well. And 
you know, you speak about from what I'm hearing is, would you refer to that as, as intuition or do you have a different way of referring to that? Well, I mean, I, it's been called being in state. It's been called being inspired. It's been called channeling. I don't know what it's called, nor do I care. Okay. So not really sure you call it whatever you want. I just know that when I am in, in, in I am in the zone, if you will, mm. and I'm with another human being, uh, whatever shows up comes out of my mouth. There's a very short pathway between what goes through my mind to what comes out of my mouth. Sometimes it might get me in trouble, but the bottom line is that I have to allow that to serve me best that it will. Yeah. Now let's just make an example of, you know, some of our listeners, they, you know, they read the books, they listen to the experts and then they come up with a strategy to grow their business, maybe two X their monthly uh, income and right. then they were trying and trying and trying and trying and they get frustrated and things are not working out the way that they imagined it and they get even more frustrated. And at some point they feel like, ah, you know, maybe it's not worth it. How would you apply what you described in a situation like this? Well, first of all, let's imagine, let's examine the emotions involved in that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's, there's fear. What happens if this doesn't work? There's anger. God damn it. How come this isn't working? And then, of course, there's the insecurity of saying, maybe I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. And this, again, is really where your field comes into play, you know, helping people with self-doubt and say, well, maybe I'm really not set out to do this. Maybe I should go back and uh, assemble light bulbs on the on on the assembly line mm -hmm. or something, uh, because, you know, my my attempt to break out of that life and become an entrepreneur, it's probably not for me. So all of these things interfere with the flow into your world. So, uh, you know, before we started the show, you said, how's my year going? I told you it's like one of my best years ever. Mm. And you asked me why. And I said, because I allowed it. Because basically, um, uh, I was kind of working on multiple levels uh, in the beginning of the year to get a lot of physical things in place, to get my software system uh, to the point where it was really scalable, uh, to work with my coaching clients and to work with my certification clients to really get them progress. And what that did is it impeded me, not that working with them impeded me, but it was the way I viewed what was going on impeded me. Once I allowed, once I released and allowed success or, or in this case, new clients and more subscribers to come into my life, uh, you might say magically it happened, mm. but it's nothing that magic at all. It's just this moment in time when you say, you know, I have enough, I'm fine. I have no fear, no, no anger, no scarcity, and I'm able to do anything I truly believe. Now, if you're an entrepreneur and you haven't had success yet, you may not be in that situation. You might be struggling right now. Maybe you don't have money for the rent and, and Mitch says, all you got to do is allow it and it'll show up. Well, no, <laughs> no, but you do have to allow the right actions to show up in your life mm. to cause that. Again, going back to what you said, Mario, at the beginning of the show, it's taking action that causes success. But sometimes taking a lot of action does not cause success. And then those emotions can block the success from showing up. Yeah. What would you say is it that makes people not allow to for these things to happen for these insights to come for them to see the obvious right like i had this myself the other day where i'm working with a with a coach who specifically is helping me on my niche and you know we're talking about a group coaching program for this new niche and then all of a sudden i'm like 
oh my goodness, I've been coaching a group. They brought me into the company for six months. And that model is exactly what I'm now building. And it's like, it's been right in front of me and I haven't seen it. And so I'm wondering, what is it from your experience that you think makes people not allow? Let me give you an example. I think this will, will be more valuable. So let's say you have in your mind that I must find the answer to a problem. <clears throat> I'm searching and searching and searching. I must find the answer to this problem. And I go on the internet and I do research. And then finally, you know, it's a long day. You leave the office, you're standing outside, you're waiting for a cab and a bus moves in front of you with a sign on the bus with the exact words you need to say, but you didn't see them. Why? Because you're too focused on your fear, your anger, and your self-doubt, and the concern that maybe it's not real, maybe it won't happen, but yet those words were right in front of your face and you didn't see them. So here's what I'm trying to say. Around us all the time, the universe is bringing us information that we need if we open up and allow it in. And that means awareness beyond the feelings that we talked about earlier. Now, if this sounds a little nuts, trust me when I tell you I've literally been standing outside, the bus goes by a word on the sign, indicates exactly what I should do next. I did it and that became a completely new direction for my life. So I'm, I'm telling you that, I mean, that's a specific example. Maybe it's a song on the radio. Maybe it's a, uh, you know, something on TV that all of a sudden you see and all of a sudden triggers because you're open to and allowing that information to come through triggers the thought that brings you exactly what you need and want at the moment. You said something really, really, really big. And, and I want to bring this up. You said awareness beyond the feeling. And this is in itself describes the whole problem because when we have a certain feeling, like you mentioned, anger, fear, frustration, different things, what it does is it constrains us into one mode of, of action taking. Like it triggers the same behavior that we've always been used to. And you know, that same behavior results in the same kind of results. But because we can't get out of the, um, the feeling, we are constrained to just keep doing the same thing that we think is going to do. And what you're saying is when you create an awareness outside of that feeling and you create, say, more peace, inspiration, a sense of graciousness, you start to see things that have always been there, but you were, it were impossible for you to even notice because your feeling was filtering it out. And there's a, you know, there's a part in the brain called the reticular activating system, which will just confirm you know, what we're already seeing. So what has been a way for you? And you already talked about meditation and the silver method. And, and, and I can attest to the silver method. It's very powerful. I use it myself. What would you say is like a hands-on tool that has helped you to create that awareness beyond the feeling? Well, the answer is so simple, most people won't believe it or even try it. And that's called meditation. Um, so if you say, well, I've meditated before, I'm not very good at it. Mm -hmm. Well, most people will say that because they don't understand what meditation is. Mm -hmm. uh, meditation isn't quieting the mind. Meditation 
is allowing the mind to become quiet. It takes some time, and the goal is not a quiet mind, by the way. A goal is to allow what is there behind this, the continuous stream of thoughts to come through. And by the way, they can come through as a continuous stream of thoughts. But if you reject them immediately and say, well, my mind's not quiet, then you won't even hear what's being yeah. said to you. Yeah. So the, the goal is to sit for 20 minutes. I use 20 minutes, like sometimes 22, 23 minutes, but to sit for 20 minutes and simply feel and observe the breath coming in and out of your nose. So if you sat and counted to five and go, and you did that for 20 minutes, you could set a timer on your phone and just allowed yourself to observe the breath in your nose and, and the feeling, the coldness of the in, inside of your nostrils as you inhale and as you exhale through your mouth over a period of 10 to 90 days, you will have seen what is there that you can't see now. No. And so I do this every day. I do this sometimes if I'm super busy, I do it twice a day. Uh, because it allows me to open up, you might say that portal, if you will, into my true self. Mm. This is comes really at a great time. I have a real life example. Just yesterday, I had a session with my own co coach. So I have different coaches for different areas. This is for my emotional, mental mm -hmm. well-being. And mm -hmm. what came up was exactly that, that I have been in a in an action-taking mode for quite some time now, and I haven't been allowing things to come up. And so what he guided me to was to allow, and all of a sudden what came up was frustration, anger, and I hadn't been allowing myself to process that. And then he said, you know, get a pillow. And I got the pillow you know, from, from, my, from the guest room bed here. And he said, you know, now just allow yourself to be with that. And whatever you want comes up for you, do it. And then I screamed into that pillow, just like at the top of my lungs. And after the fourth or fifth scream, I went straight into sadness and I just cried and I allowed myself to process that. And just this one moment, it was maybe 30 minutes, made such a big difference for me. This morning, I woke up feeling very different, feeling so much lighter, so much more relaxed. And, and I find often people have an idea when, when they hear that, oh, so much more relaxed. They think, oh, he's more relaxed. That means less productive action. He's just chilling out. And I could, it couldn't be further from the truth, right? How do you look at that? Well, let's, let's start with lifestyle. Um, and like I said, I, look, you know, um, I'm towards the end of my career, not closer to the beginning of it. So my lifestyle is going to be different than you, listener, or, or you, Mario. So my lifestyle, first of all, my life is arranged exactly the way I want it. And uh, if you don't have a life that you want exactly arranged the way you want it, then plan for it. So my life is I wake up, I meditate for 20 minutes, I drink a glass of cold lemon water. Uh, I then uh, at that point uh, get started on my day. And um, from there, I, I then have a light breakfast and then go into my workout. Uh, after my workout, I take a quick shower. And then at about 11 a.m. Eastern time, I get back to my computer to start my, my work, my appointments, if you will. Uh, many times throughout, but between seven in the morning and 11 a.m., I'm reviewing the stock market and reviewing some of my uh, 
options positions. I'm an options trader. And I, I, I just basically allow myself to get reconnected to the life that I have. Uh, and then about 11, 11 and 12, uh, I might simply grab a beach chair and walk outside, sit on the sand uh, by the beach and spend 20 to 30 minutes uh, with some earbuds and chilling out by the ocean. Then I come upstairs, uh, uh, have a very light lunch, usually not even solid food, typically a shake. Uh, and at that point, uh, I go on with my afternoon conducting sessions or working on projects. Um, and then around between five and six, I shut down the computer and I'm done for the evening. Usually I'll go for another walk, uh, typically on the beach or by the beach. And then, um, you know, at that point, I, whatever I had planned for the evening, it might be sitting home watching a webinar or might be connecting with friends. It might be going out with my sweetheart and having a nice evening, whatever that may be. Uh, but it's my life and I have arranged it exactly the way I want. Right. Now, again, like I, I want to be clear, I know that I'm in a position that a lot of people may not feel they're in yet. And the reason I say feel that they're in yet is because once you arrange your life so that you're happy, everything else seems to fall into place. Does that make sense? Totally. But, and can you, I agree with you very much. And why do you say that? Why do you say that once you're happy, things to tend to fall into place? Well, because energy connects with similar frequency energy. So mm -hmm. happiness connects with that, that particular level of frequency that brings you more of the same. Mm -hmm. So if you're sitting around and being angry, or if you're sitting around and being afraid, uh, I hate to tell you this, but that's what you're attracting. Mm -hmm. So if you're sitting you know, around in resentment, uh, if you're sitting around thinking the world sucks and blah, 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 and a negative, negative, negative. Well, guess what? The world is going to suck for you. You know, there's an ancient story about a, a, a Babylon village where uh, the chief of the village interviews the people who want to come and live in that village. And so a gentleman shows up and, and this, he's the, the chief says to the, uh, the, this potential person who wants to live there, he says, well, tell me a little bit about what it was like where you lived before. And uh, he said, oh, it was, it was horrible. The people were nasty. They were mostly thieves. Uh, they, they disrespected me and everything around me. Uh, they were mean to my family. And, uh, and that's why I want to come and live with you. Uh, so then he says, well, and, and what's it like here? And the chief says, it's pretty much the same. <laughs> and that's because wherever we go, we take ourselves with us. Yeah. Whatever, whatever we're generating, that's what we attract. So what would you rather attract? <laughs> Let's put it that way. You know, what would you rather attract? So if you can stay happy, even in the face of calamity, then that's what's going to come into your life. I have a, a saying, you've probably heard me say this. I know a lot of my clients have heard me say this, and that is everything is perfect exactly the way it is. Yes. Even the disasters. Yeah. God forbid the worst thing you can imagine happens. But if you project out into the future, I don't know, two, three, five years or less, you'll see that it was part of a bigger picture. Yeah. And it was exactly the way it was supposed to have late has come about. Yeah. Now, some people will say, well, Mitch, you believe in fate. And I don't. I believe in attraction. Yeah. And I find that mindset that you just shared is to me how I explain to myself how God 
would look at the world and look at us. You know, like, and, and I always make bring up this example, like if you take a person into nature, into a beautiful forest, and there's a there's a tree that, you know, like is leaning strongly to the left. It looks different than all the other trees. Would you look at that tree and say, oh, that tree is wrong. There's something terribly messed up with this tree. Nobody in their right mind would do that. They're like, oh, that's a tree. You know, it's growing a little different, but it's still a tree. It's part of the other trees. However, if you look yourself in the mirror and you see a little extra weight here and you see a little bit of hair falling out there and whatever, all the things you're like, oh, God, oh, it's just terrible. It's just wrong. You know, so we the ego starts to believe in this is right. This is wrong. And if you look at nature, there is no right or wrong. It's just what is. And to your point, I think when you adopt that mindset, you know, I have a I have a workshop that I call the unstoppable mindset where I elaborate on what you just said. And I find it makes you unstoppable because there's no more resistance in which your energy gets gets tangled up. You're no longer wasting energy. You're just, you know, you're looking at something that happens and you are feeling whatever happens. Say someone dies in your family and you're like, and you feel the grief and that's great. At some point though, you can start to realize that that death served something. Sometimes what it takes for new leadership to come in is for the old leadership to die. And that might sound a little harsh, but actually, you know, when one of the, there was a, there was one lady that her name is Sadhguru, um, uh, not Sadhguru, uh, Guru Jagan. And she is, was in her, I think the forties and she died. And she said before that, she said, when I die, I make space for the next generation of leaders to come in. And I was mm -hmm. like, wow, that is profound. Right. And so, so I really appreciate your perspective on this much. My pleasure. Well, you know, again, it goes back to all of the way we live, even in business, you know, because after all, um, you know, we're here to talk a little bit about business, even in business, if you have a great idea and you and it doesn't work uh, and you have an allowance allowance mentality, so you see it's not working and you do the natural thing, you pivot, uh, you try to preserve what you originally thought would be a great idea and pivot to something a little different, maybe a little better, hopefully a little better. Uh, uh, and that doesn't work again after two or three pivots even. Uh, and I don't want to say a number because it might be seven. It might be one. Uh, mm. So it either is going to work with the pivot or it's not. You have to allow it to die. Mm. You know, when I, I started a software company um, again in, 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 I think it was 2015 called Results Breakthrough. And uh, it was a, uh, a, a co- accountability platform so two people could hold each other accountable i thought it was a great idea mm. nobody bought it mm. but the germ of the idea became what became now central to client folio which is yeah. accountability and goal tracking so the whole idea is to know i mean i gave myself a specific period of time i said if i can't make this work in one year then i'm going to let it go after all of the work i've done on it uh, I'm going to delete it from the server. I don't even, you know, it's done and on to the next thing. Mm. Uh, and that's how Clientfolio, which is far more successful, came about. Mm. Interesting. So you're allowing sort of an iteration of the vision, the idea to die, to make space for something even better to come in. And right. I see a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with this because of this attachment to, to not quitting. There's this idea that right. if you quit, you are somehow a failure, a loser, and you cannot do that. Like from what I'm hearing, you look at that differently. 
Well, once again, um, there is, you have to ask the question, um, you know, what really is the issue here? Uh, and so for me, when I, I'll go to the example of Time Slips Corporation, I was only 20, 28 years old when I started Time Slips Corporation, uh, and we built a software product to track computer time to deduct your computer from your tax return. Uh, I thought it was a great idea. My partner thought it was a great idea. We spent six months of our lives building it. And then the day we both quit our jobs and announced that we were opening the doors and, and wanting to now start selling that product, the IRS relaxed the rulings for contemporaneous record keeping, which left us with a product that had no purpose. Mm. So we could have done one or two, one of three things. One, we could have gone back to work, maybe tried to get our jobs back. Two, we could have uh, potentially... Um, you know, taken a six month vacation, you know, and just screwed off for a, a while and uh, quote unquote recover or whatever. Uh, but instead we chose to pivot. We said, well, what was great about what we, con what we constructed and how could it be applied elsewhere? And so we thought to ourselves, wait a second, this is a time tracking system. Who needs to keep track of time? Well, lawyers do, some accountants do, some consultants do. Well, why don't we then create a system for them to do that. And so we got all excited again. This all happened in one day. Got all wow. excited again. Uh, we, we mapped out where we, what we had and what we needed. And we spent the next three months building around the original idea of keeping track of time and then launched that as time slips. That became, as you know, that became a, a product used by at the time I sold the company, 250,000 customers. Now, still, all these years later, still for sale on the Sage website, um, because frankly, it's, it's one of the best tools on the market still. So what it really comes down to, it really comes down to allowing yourself to see the work you've done and where it goes. You've probably heard me tell the story of FedEx. Right? Have I told you that story? Do you remember FedEx? I think so, but I would love for our audience to hear the story as well. Sure. So Fred Smith was in college and he had this brilliant idea. And remember, the name of the company was Federal Express, right? Federal. So what did that mean? Well, he was trying to solve a problem. Problem that he chose to solve was that banks took eight days to clear checks back mm -hmm. then. Those checks were transported and then distributed among all the banks in the country just to make sure they were legitimate. So Fred's idea was to take 747s and, or the equivalent back then and load all of the check processing equipment onto planes, load all of the unprocessed check onto planes, and then fly them to a central hub and process them along the way. Then when the plane landed, he, they would unload all those bins and distribute them to the bank, changing the time from eight days to one day. Brilliant idea, Genius. except when he presented it to his thesis professor, the professor gave him a C and he was confused. Well, I, this is a great idea. Why'd you give me a C? He goes, planes can't hold all the equipment and still fly that you want. So the plane would never get off the ground. Small detail he never thought about. <laughs> the planes, the weight of the paper, it would never be able to fly. It was way too heavy. So the professor said, well, there, but there is something here to think about. I, I think this is a very unique idea about the hubs. Why don't you go build on that? And that's how Fred came up with the idea of package delivery through a central hub, which was at the time I believe was Atlanta. And then from that hub, 
in, in the morning, packages were picked up. They were flown to Atlanta. They were processed and sorted and then flew out that night to be delivered the next morning. That became Federal Express. Mm. So germ of an idea, great idea, wasn't the right idea, but the, but the genesis of that idea brought him to a place where he can create something iconic and, and revolutionary. Mm. So as you're speaking, one of the things that for me comes through is that you have this drive, this, this, this hunger, this consistency that allows you to jump over so many of the hoops, you know, so many refinements of the ideas where many people will probably turn around and say, you know what, not worth it. Let me just get a job and, and you know, live my uh, uh, average life and, and that's fine, you know. What is it for you, Mitch, that drives you? You know, um, part of what I, I have my clients do is I have them take uh, a little quiz, the YOS quiz. Uh, I think I had you take it as well. Mm -hmm. um, my why is to find a better way. So what does that mean? That means that anytime anyone presents anything to me, I cannot help but to find a better way. So my mind goes immediately to work. Now that has not served me well in in certain marriages and personal relationships, <laughs> uh, but, but it has served me well in business and in particular when helping clients. Why? Because immediately I allow a better way to show up. Yeah. So that's my why. I urge people to understand what, how they're wired. What is it that, you know, maybe your why is to simplify. So whenever you hear something, immediately your mind goes to co comprehend it and then simplify it. Well, if you focus on your strengths and build around that, then the bottom line is you can't fail because you're operating within your true nature. And then if you just know that's the case and you allow that to happen and to come through, then the bottom line is that you're on the right path. And you have to know that you have to say, you know what, I'm on the right path. Yeah. If you say to me, you know, Mitch, uh, I'm really going to be happy uh, working for a big company as an employee. Because I know that that is my, my nature is to clarify, let's say. And that's really what I do best when I'm working inside of a corporation. But there's nothing entrepreneurial about, quote unquote, clarifying. Of course, I don't believe that, but that's what someone might say. Mm. And, and so if you can be happy doing that, like my daughter, she's very happy working for a large corporation. She has the life she wants. She doesn't want my life. She doesn't yeah. want to be up at nights thinking about stuff. She doesn't want to work past five. No, there's no hustle there, you know, that, that, and if that's you, that's totally fine. The, the trigger here is to make sure that it makes you happy. Yeah. And if you say, well, maybe make, maybe I think it makes me happy. I'm really disguising the fact that I'm either lazy or scared. We'll take a look at that. That's okay. Maybe it's a, a, a self-worth issue, something you could help with. I mean, what it really comes down to is what, who are you and what makes you happy? And then from there, allow the answers to show up and, and, and let them serve you. Yeah, yeah. And, and I agree. I second that. I think this, the, the, having a strong and clear why and aligning yourself in an environment where you can, you can allow your nature to come through. Then at some point, and I find this is particularly important for entrepreneurs because I see so many of them struggle from beginning to to finish and, and never getting you know many entrepreneurs start with a value of freedom 
making the, the, the strong distinction to in, go into this field. And then you look at what most entrepreneurs are experiencing on a daily basis. It's constantly stressed. It's constantly worried. It's not achieving the goals that they want to achieve that is set out. So there's so much frustration in that whole journey. And what you said is, you know, is also something that I've found for myself is like, if you would ask me today, you know, I say, Mario, if I put $50 million in your bank account, what would you do? I say, well, more of what I'm already doing. I really right. love it. You know, I get bored after some time sitting on the beach, you know, it's nice. I enjoy it occasionally, but if you put me right. there for too long, I'm like, how much more fulfilling is it for me at least to help someone to help have them have a transformation in their life to make things easier similar to you for them to see the the shortcut so i think you made a really really significant point and you know with an awareness of time i still have two questions that i want to ask you that i'm curious sure. how you're going to answer them okay um, number one is if you had a magic pill that would allow you to 10x any area of your life what would it, what would you focus on and why? Um, well, I already have that magic pill and I already uh, am working and continue to work on 10 xing most of my life. And it's a very simple thing. It's a belief in myself. Mm. The more I believe in myself, the more the external world responds in, in the way I believe. So I, I have to work on it and I have worked on it. I see me a certain way. And by staying focused on what is true about me, the world eventually sees me the way I see me. So if that magic pill, and you might call it self-confidence uh, and elimination of self-doubt, if I see me the way, if, if the world sees me the way I see me, then from, from my perspective, then you know that's what I would be considered 10Xing. I mean, literally uh, increasing anything by 10X uh, in the physical world is going to take a physical element and that's time, uh, which is, uh, as you know, made up uh, and it's a concept. It's not real. Uh, but on the other hand, in the physical world, if you're talking about 10 Xing things, it's going to take time in the non-physical world, 10 Xing happens instantly. Mm. Oh, I love that. That's a great answer. So then I'm curious to see how are you going to bring this to the next question, which is, if you could spend an hour of your time with any person in the world, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Well, you know, um, that's a great question. Um, if, is it okay if I choose a fictional character? Absolutely. I would spend an hour with Captain James T. Kirk of the USS Enterprise. Interesting. Uh, uh, and the reason I say that is because, I mean, I've been a Star Trek fan for many, many years. Um, but what I have found about the portrayal of that character is that Captain Kirk has a broader perspective than everyone else on the ship. Uh, Captain Kirk sees the prime directive in everything he does. And what I would want to do is sit down with Captain Kirk and say, explain it to me, show me how you do that. And, and let me live your life with you for the hour that we have together. I want to be there. I want to see the Klingons attack and see how you handle that. Because to me, that is ultimate mastery of life. Mm, wow. Wow. That's so what comes up for me when I hear that is, I'm sure you read the book, uh, Think and Grow Rich uh, by Napoleon Hill. 
in the right. book he describes his spiritual process of visualization and calling in the spirits of some of the most legendary leaders from all aspects of life is that something that you do as well i do in fact it's part of this it's part of the silva method as you might as you as you know so when i when i go into go to level um my two guides are deepak chopra on one side uh and captain james t kirk on the other uh, and and i allow them uh, into my spiritual world or my mental world if you will to help me with my projections of what I want the world to look like. So as you know, in Silver Mind Control, you are going to an alpha level and alpha level is simply a frequency band that the human brain enters, uh, enters easily. And then you project, mentally project, you're actually doing a little work here, you're actually mentally projecting the future onto your screen, your visual screen. Mm. So I allow those gentlemen to help me with that. And uh, I think it's, you know, you should choose who's best for you, of course. But when you do that, you you tap into the wisdom of of those elements of who they are and were, or even if they are fictional, that that intelligence, that wisdom is always there as well. I love that. And that's a, a, an invitation for anyone who's listening now to look into these the silver method the, the 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 sort of the visualizing council of people to support you in your life because these things really do work mitch before we close the 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 show for today i do remember that you have um, a little gift for people who choose to listen until this point i i actually have two um so if you're a coach go to coachelevation.com and you can download my new book uh, at no cost, or you can go on Amazon and buy it if you prefer to have a physical book or you prefer to have it on your Kindle, which you'll download as a PDF. Uh, and if you're a coach, that's your free gift. If you're not a coach, or even if you are and still want two free gifts, go to profitstackingsecrets.com. And there you can find what I consider the three top ways to generate uh, leads and publicity at no charge maybe $5 or something, but for the most part at no charge. That to me has been the foundation of much of what I did to be successful in life. And I, and I uh, invite you to do the same. Beautiful. Well, I will make sure that these links will be in the show notes for people to find this. Um, and Mitch, it was an absolute pleasure. Lots of surprises today that I really greatly appreciated to learn more about, about you. And um, how can people find you? Best way to connect with you? MitchRusso360.com. You can find all my, my links there, my websites there, my products there, etc. Love it. Beautiful. Mitch, thank you so much for gifting us your time. I look forward to uh, our next conversation in the near future. And thank you for choosing to tune into the Self-Doubt Solution. This is your host, Mario Lanzarotti, the Freedom Architect, and I will see you in the next episode.